Stop into Lowe's to fit a few more projects and a lot more savings into summer. Get your deck looking its best with the new Valspar Exterior Stain. It covers in one coat, is rain-ready in four hours, provides all-weather defense from the elements, and it's only at Lowe's. Then, get ready to kick off the fall grilling season with savings of up to 20% on select grills. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Grill offer valid through 829. While supplies last, see store for details. This is the Group Chat Sports Podcast. So we're really excited about this. Bowtie Fresh is not going to be with us tonight. Bowtie's out there getting it, making that extra money, doing his thing. But uh, I got, you know, we got a nice cast going there. I, tr- I trust these brothers' sports, uh, uh, you know, opinions. You know, they always hitting us up. We all in some type of group chat, so that's where they come from. So uh, I'm going to introduce, man, uh, my, my partner, Ray, because he came on the first night, man. So, Ray, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from. You've been on the Grown Man Ish podcast before. And after you finish that, give me your favorite team, your favorite sports moment. Okay. Um, like you said, Ray, um, from here in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, spent a number of years in Columbus, Ohio. So um, I represent the Buckeyes. Um, as far as a favorite sports team, of course, uh, like I said, Ohio State with, you know, college basketball, football, uh, NBA, I rode with the Pacers, uh, uh, NFL, of course, the Colts. Not a huge baseball fan, but uh follow the Indians. Um, favorite sports moment? Uh, I have to say my favorite sports moment, I remember as a kid when Ohio State played Arizona State in the um, Fiesta Bowl, and um, when my boy uh, David Boston caught that touchdown in the back of the end zone, they beat um, – Jake the Snake, uh, uh, was Jake the Snake Plumber? I think that was his name. Yeah. Beat them that year. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was pretty young, but that was a pretty good game, and they ended that on a, on a high note. But, I mean, that was just, you know, one of the few um, memories, sports memories that I have. All right, man. So that's the team that had Stanley Jackson with uh, Joe Jermaine and Peppy Pearson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Because then y'all, did y'all lose to Michigan that year? Yeah, did I lose the Michigan uh, the year? Cause I could have, cause I was in uh, Ann Arbor, man, uh, doing one of those. I can't remember that when Bianca Batuka put like three hundred on y'all. I don't know if it was that year or not. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't dwell on the past, uh, Jenkins. So no, all man, I know is man. that um, <laughs> all I know is that we, you know, uh, handed to Michigan for the past six, seven years. So that's all that matters. Oh, uh, yeah, no doubt, man. So I'm going to kick it to my homeboy, Pure. We've been kicking it. We've been homeboys since high school. So, man, hey, man, so tell them about yourself, man, and you know, tell people where you're from, favorite sports team, your favorite sports memory. What it do, what it do, family, what it do. This is your boy, Pure, and uh, I am uh, in uh, Tennessee at the current current time and but by way of the Indianapolis, Indiana, that town is my home where I was raised at. Also, uh, to tell you a little spill about myself, I got a lot in common with the brother Ray because I'm also an Ohio State fan. Basketball, college basketball, college football. I mean, it's almost the the Buckeye way to stay in the top five or top two in those regards, um, basketball, uh, Indiana Pacers, of course, all the way in the NBA, uh, NFL-wise. I'm a Colts fan through and through, ble- bleeding the blue. And uh, baseball, I'm a L.A. Dodger fan all the way to the West Coast there, uh, representing uh, my Dodgers. Didn't quite make it this year. They had a good run, but uh, – the Mastros boys was just they were too much swinging high bats for us and wore out my boy Kershaw. But it's all good. We gonna spend some more money. I'm gonna holler at holler at the boys see if they can spend some more money to get some more pitching. Um, but uh, as far as that goes, the, the the greatest sports moment that I would recall uh, uh-huh. for me. For me, it's quite simple to me. It would have to be the Colts and the, and the Patriots, AFC. I don't know whatever that year is when we uh, played them. Uh, was that was it, were we in Lucas Oil or the? Uh, I think we was in RCA. I think we was in RCA. I think we was in RCA, though. 
Okay, yeah, I can't remember man. if that was like I don't know. Was that the last, I don't know if the, y'all, my guys, y'all had to correct me if that was the last uh, AFC Championship in the Dome or not, in the old Hoosier Dome. But um, it would have to be Marlon, Marlon, even though he's a Michigan guy. Marlon Jackson coming through there and getting that pick to seal that win in the Super Bowl, but has to go to the Super Bowl rather against those, 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 those naughty, naughty, naughty New England Patriots. All right, man. Well, we got another brother online. We got my homeboy Demetrius, man. So, Demetrius, we're doing a little introduction of the show, man. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you've been on the on our other podcast before. Give us your favorite sports team, your favorite sports moment. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, Mike, and to all the other um, panelists, man. Get look forward to uh, some good sports dialogue. So, yeah, man, Demetrius Wilson um, reside here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I'm a Midwest boy to the heart. Um, favorite sports team? Uh, man, let's run down the list, man. Born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, so I'm a Buckeye. Um, man, got, y'all got me got, outnumbered, man. There's three of y'all. Listen, man. I'm telling you. That's sad <laughs> But but you know I'm a Big Ten guy, so you know I got my degrees from Purdue, so I'm a Boiler at heart. Um, representing HBCU, uh, Tennessee State University, so you know I got my passions lie in, in a few different areas. Uh, favorite favorite sports moment? Ah, man, uh, that's that's a good one, Mike. Um, probably. Uh, game one of 2014 Eastern Conference Finals, Pacers versus Heat. Uh, when we won that game, um, you know, this uh, I've been to each playoff round but the NBA Finals, and that was my first, you know, conference finals experience, and uh, uh, it was nuts, man. So, so that's probably have to be my favorite sports moment. Hey, man, well, let me ask you two questions, man. I think that day, I think I ended up seeing you that day. I think we ended up kicking it at the bar after the game. And secondly, man, is uh, Carlos Rogers the best hooper that'll come out of TSU, man? Uh, no, I have to disagree with you, man. Right now it's um, the young boy from from Philadelphia. Oh, Covington. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Covington. Hey, man. Hey, Dre, you remember when they TSU came down here for the tournament, man? It was at the 90s when they came down to the Dome? Oh, yeah. That was like, you know, when uh, uh, TSU, you know, that was the year they got the OVC. Uh, they won that tournament. So that automatically gave them the NCAA bid. So, you know, I definitely had, you know, I was well aware of that scenario by my dad being a, a Tennessee State alum and I. Uh, also, oh, okay, you know, go big blue. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he actually was in attendance um, to that game, even though they had to go against the other big blue in the state of Kentucky, which they, you know, that was really they didn't really have a chance. But it was still good to see, uh, you know, the, the the HBCU getting some national time, you know, in the March Madness event. Yeah, well, what's your what's your what's your dad's name? My dad is Ed Dardis. That's his name. He uh, he actually uh, was there in the uh, mid-60s. Um, I don't okay. know if you're familiar with some of those guys back around, you know, in, in that area. It was uh, it was Jefferson Street, Joe Gilliam. He's a big, uh, big-name oh, guy yeah. down in Nashville on Jefferson Street. My dad played with him, knew him well. Um, also, Claude Humphreys is another name of a – HBCU legend of Tennessee State. He was actually honored at the Super Bowl last year in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You, got, you guys remember that they did a uh, HBCU spill at halftime. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, man. So this is one of the things, man, is great about this is like, you know, for our listeners, it's like everybody's here is connected for a way. I mean, my homeboy Ray, he used to live in Columbus. Demetrius lived in Columbus, and then Dre lived in Nashville, and Demetrius went to Tennessee State. So this is crazy how, you know, 
we don't really, y'all brothers don't really know each other. We've all been brought together and all, like, we all intersect with one another, man. So, uh, definitely a good thing, man. So, uh, hey, fellas, man, I'm going to jump right into this Super Bowl thing. So, uh, all right, someone's going to ask some questions, man, and y'all feel free to jump in. So, we're going to, I guess we'll talk about the Patriots first because that's the first person on my outline. So, y'all give me some strengths and weaknesses of the Patriots, and anybody can answer. Man, Mike, before you go into this, did Jacksonville choke? Oh, man, did they choke? Man, I didn't think they were going to win. I don't know, man. They didn't let Bra- – I mean, play like this. The first half, the first half, right, they kept running them play-action passes on, on New England. And you know the second half – you know Belichick is a master of making those uh, second-half adjustments, man. And I don't. I think they were scared to put Bortles, man, for them to win it. I mean, I think they kind of got some bad calls in the pass interference game, but – I mean, when you don't have confidence that your quarterback can go out there and win it, man, they gonna if you don't knock New England out when you had an opportunity, you're not gonna do it, man. I don't call it a choke. I just call it this. I call it when the Falcons a choke. I just think they just got beat by a better team. What do y'all think? Man, they was they was up they was up ten in the fourth quarter, man. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's oh, man. I they up ten. He's supposed to close that out. Yeah, I, did, I didn't think they were gonna tired, win man. Jacksonville defense spent a whole lot of time on that field in that second half when they got wore out. New England shut down Jacksonville's run game or, or whatever, you know, resemblance of a running game they had in that second half. They pretty much had no mm-hmm. chance. So, like like mm-hmm. uh, like Jenkins said, you know, New England, once they go into halftime, you know Belichick is going to get in there. He's going to game plan. He's going to make adjustments. He's going to shut down whatever you were doing in that first half. So, they got out coached. They pretty much got punched punched in the mouth in that second half. Defense was tired. That was a wrap. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. You know, the New England Patriots is kind of like that, that team is like in the pro, is like roaches in the projects. You just got to step on them and keep stepping on them until they actually just tap all the way out, man. You can't really pay half a quarter when you're playing against, like you say, Belichick. Those guys is kind of like the masterminds, even though uh, some say they cheat. Um, they are kind of like the masterminds of the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, agree, I agree with all that. I think, I think the the lights got bright, and you know, McDaniel's who who's going to be y'all's new head coach here in a couple of weeks. You know, I think he saw. I think he saw something, man. You got, you got. What's the cornerback's name? Ramsey, the flamboyant yeah. guy, Ramsey. Uh, I don't know. God. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> you said <laughs> you know, it. I didn't. Hey, um, I'm just like, he's a great player, but he be rolling his eyes. He's 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 just sassy, but he's a great player. I'll take yeah. him on the Colts. The other dude is I think they. I think it's I think it's AJ Boye. Is that a, is yeah, that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his name. Yeah, yeah Boye. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know them cats. Them cats play hella aggressive. You know. Um. The the style of defense is is, and I'm not a football guy, so I'm not even gonna pretend like I am. Um, line of man to man, and I think McDaniel's was like, hey, these guys been holding. I think it's been fifty fifty on some of the touch calls all game, you know, because you think you you see in that fourth quarter they threw like what a couple of fade routes that one they weren't even near the end zone, and. Um, you put Brandon, what's his name, Brandon Cooks on, who, who's super fast. You put him on Ramsey, throw it up there, see what happens. And uh, you know, some people say, "Oh, that one, that one of pass interference." I think it was, and I'm not even a New England guy. I, you know, Ramsey had his hand all wrapped around the guy, so mm-hmm. I think it was a semi choke job. But that's just my opinion. I mean, you up ten and four, you got all the momentum, you know. Fournette is your horse. It's cold as hell out there. Run that thing and see what happens. And that's kind of one yeah. of the main things that that a lot of people kind of don't realize is that New England's wide receivers they have they have a lot of speed. They don't do too much down the field. They do a lot of um, short routes. They do a lot of cross patterns. But um, McDaniel's noticed something. He knows that defense is getting tired. He knows uh, uh, Ramsey and uh, Boye out there. Like you said, they're good, you know, kind of kind of um, 
uh, get into the contact off the line. When you got those receivers with that much speed, you got them going downfield. I mean, you got Ramsey, he's still a pretty young guy. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna gonna revert back to uh, a lot of things he thought a lot of young guys do, and it's holding and it's trying to you know, get that advantage over that receiver on the outside. You know, with that speed, that was pretty much nothing he could do. Well, you yeah. know, it's like on, on on the John Madden game back, in, you know, if you was a video gamer back in the day, you know, he kind of stated like you really can call holding on every play if you really wanted to. You know, if you wanted to call it as tight as, as it was. Shout out to Ramsey though; he's a he's a, a Nashville product from the pro, uh, yes. suburb school in Redwood Academy. But uh, I, I I mean, shout out to Jacksonville. I mean, who really thought that they would even make it that far though? You know, I just they played their butts off all year long. Their defense was stout, and um, they they offense was wishy washy. But I mean, overall. I mean, I think they surprised a lot of people this year. My, my All right, man, well, you you a, you a Titans fan? No, 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 no. I'm a big, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, a horseshoe. I'm a horseshoe oh, okay. to them. Yeah, but I, 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 when they come down this way, once a year, and uh, Pim J, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm nap town out <laughs> for my Dang, shoes to my head. Hey man, t- hey hey, Pierre, tell them about some of the times you've been at the games, man, and, uh, and how they be getting mad at you when the coach came back and you and they they ready to kick you out, man. Tell tell the oh, oh yeah, several times, folks. You know, you know, for the majority of the, I think we had what we have not was it nine years in a row. It was something weird. We had a streak going that was pretty much unreal with the Titans leading back to even the year that. Um, we had Don, Dan Orlowski at quarterback. Um, <laughs> when, you know, when we, we still took care of the Titans, as if a lot of listeners who were thinking that we didn't do it. But, yeah, the Colts and Titans rivalry has kind of been one that, that's been pretty nasty. And uh, me going to these games, I go and, and uh, you know, I have a lot of family in Tennessee, of course. You know, both sides of my family are from here. Um, so I go right into the Tennessee Titans tailgating stuff with all my Indianapolis Colts stuff on every year, uh, and, and it gets it gets. It, I mean, sometimes when we had some slow starts, you know, they started getting on to me, man. You know, you can imagine being in the stadium looking thirty rows up, looking thirty rows down, and you the only Colts jersey around you. Now, some years have been better than others, but overall. Um, I mean, I, I had some good laughs leaving out of there with some W's, uh, of course, um, exempt from this year. Um, but, you know, previous past has been a lot of fun, a lot of good food, and a lot of fighting and uh, a lot of using some choice words. Yeah, man. So, definitely, man. We shout out to Cashville, man. Tonight we had a lot of a lot of fun times, man. Uh, Pierre can tell you I had so, one of my best basketball memories ever in in, in Cashville. I led us to victory in Gold's Gym. So uh, definitely, yep. uh, I always had to put myself up with that one. Yes, sir. <laughs> but yeah, man. So, uh, all right. So uh, back to the Patriots, man. So we just got through talking about the Jacksonville game. So what do y'all see as some of the strengths of the Patriots? We know they have the obvious things of, you know, halftime adjustments and those type of games. But against the Eagles, what do you think those, how do you think those strengths are going to play out? I don't know. I, I, I feel be- like yeah, it, it's going to be tough for for Philly to be able to get in, get, you know, to be able to compete, quite honestly. I don't – I mean, what you, I don't really see – I mean, I don't really think their defense is equivalent to what uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, kind of stood up with Brady. And uh, they got excellent cover corners. But And then on the other side, the flip side, I don't know if Philly can put up enough points to even make it a contest. So, I mean, I know Philly has a really good defensive line with Fletcher Cox and uh, Barnett. Uh, what's the dude Brandon Graham from Michigan? So they got the we got the pretty good front seven. So I mean, so what? So you don't think the Patriots have? So you think? So you, I'm, what I'm trying to hear from you, saying that the Eagles really don't? You don't think they have a chance to beat the to beat the Patriots? Uh, was that for me? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Yeah, so I, I don't. I don't think. I don't. To me personally, I don't think they have enough. I mean. And I'm not a New England uh, fan whatsoever. I just don't really think logically. I don't think 
the, the Philadelphia has been has been tested on that type of level all year. Um, you know, quite quite frankly, like uh, you know, I feel like they kind of really they took care of business early this year. But New England is is kind of New England. I mean, last year was was the kind of take the cake for me. I mean, you were down like twenty points. I feel like you know New England's kind of equivalent to to the Golden State Warriors in basketball. You can kind of have them down by. 20 or 30 points, but they always have enough scores to get you back in the game. Uh, All right. Just, you know, don't think they have enough firepower. So let me ask y'all this. So if, do you think, does it make a big difference if Gronk doesn't play? Because Gronk, I think, is still in concussion protocol now. So does that make a big difference? I don't think it makes a huge difference. Of course, if he, I mean, if he does play, I mean, that just adds another huge element for the uh, Patriots as far as a weapon against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, one of the main things I look at outside of the wide receivers is just the, uh, the running back play for New England. I mean, they pretty much have a three. I mean, you can even say a forehead monster, even though what's the name? Galat. Uh, um, what's the what's the what's the other running back's name? Uh, they got Lewis. No, he I don't, I don't know the rest of Lewis. Lewis. Well, I was referring to Deion Lewis, James White, and Rex Burkhead as far as the three-head yeah. monster. And then they have the uh, 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 Gillisley, the guy the guy from Buffalo. Yeah. He doesn't get much run um, nowadays. But they got that three-headed running back. I mean, between Deion Lewis and James White, between them running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield, I just don't see Philadelphia's linebackers you know, being able to keep up with that. I mean, they got Michael Kendricks, but, you know, he's just one man. Um, they gonna need a whole lot now. If Gronk does play, that's gonna put a uh, Michael Jenkins is gonna you know, pretty much be the man that's gonna have the task to try to cover Gronk. If Gronk doesn't play, that'll give maybe Malcolm Jenkins a little bit more uh, freedom to kind of roam and kind of keep an eye on those running backs out the backfield. Because you know we can't, you know, you can't really depend on um, um, man. Mind us blank. Uh, used to play for the Colts. Now he's out. He's now he's on the line. Was that Dwayne? Uh, Philip Dorsett and Dwayne Allen. Dwayne, yeah, Dwayne Allen, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think you can really depend on him to do a to, to really do a whole lot. So, so yeah. So maybe Cronk, you know, Cronk will be more of a uh, will be more of a difference if he wasn't playing as far as for the you know the safeties and how they play as far as for them covering Cronk. But you know, those running backs, that's going to be a real tough task. For uh, Philadelphia to be able to keep up with them, and for the secondary to uh, match coverage for those wide receivers. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of feeling the same way, man. And without without Carson Wentz playing, and Philly just kind of, I mean they they took care of Minnesota, but you know they had Case Keenum at, at quarterback. It's going to be tough, man. I know uh, Philly got some pretty good receivers, and you know they got Jay Jay is he's a good running back, a power running back, but I just don't see them scoring enough points you know, to be able to get in New England. But, uh, man, I'm hoping, man, but they just I, – I don't know what to say about the Patriots, man. You you keep Brady and, uh, you know, and Belichick, they just kind of – it's hard to get them guys, man. So, uh, but let me ask you another question because I think we're kind of in consensus. So, I know, Pierre, we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks about, you know, Josh McDaniels, right? You do you think so? You you, you talk you text me over and over again. So so give me your case of why you think Josh McDaniels isn't going to be a good coach. Well, I mean, to to me, for for the Colts franchise, you know, you're looking at Andrew Lux, you know his 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 years where you kind of you really you can't you got to make something happen here. You want to take over this division or you don't. My point of view is the Josh McDaniels hire to me, um, I was not really a Josh. I didn't fall into the hype of, of Josh McDaniels just purely off of what he was when he wasn't under the best quarterback in the history and the best coach in the history. Um, when he was under um, his own head coaching rights in Denver as a Broncos head coach, he he failed. He didn't even. I mean, he was eleven and seventeen. I mean, the record kind of speaks for itself. His philosophy was uh, wasn't really the type of philosophy where I thought you could coach um, uh, adults in the NFL. 
you know, getting up in front of somebody's face, yelling and screaming and spitting in them like Bobby Knight is not really going to get you um, the type of player results to, to me as a head coach, and he wasn't a player, so it's not like they're really going to respect him as, you know, as somebody that's doing that. And he's not – he hasn't even really won at this level. Uh, also keep in mind, he wasn't – a lot of people missed this, but at St. Louis he was the offensive coordinator there. Went 2-14 and 14, uh, around that Steven Jackson era, if you guys remember that team. was not very good, uh, but, you know, to him – uh, to give him a shot, I understand everybody wants, you know, everybody, you know, is able to get a second chance. I get that. But for me, it just seems like he's more of a product of the best coach in the NFL and the best quarterback ever to play the game. Uh, I mean, quite frankly, I, I think that um, when you have those tag teams together, I don't really think you can lose, um, you know. And so I, I just kind of feel like it's a lot of hype, you know, like, oh, wow, so we're going to – coach going to start running those plays? Hey, we don't even really know because he was – he's under Bill Belichick's reign, you know, and that's how I kind of took it, my opinion, and that's my approach. All right, so let me ask you other brothers a question. So Pure brought up the fact of second chances. So I know we got some different sports uh, fans in who we're talking to right now. So for your for your franchise, do you, would you do you believe in hiring what they call them called a retread, or would you want somebody who's never coached before? And either one of y'all can answer. I want to get both of y'all opinion because this is interesting to me. Um, it's a difficult. It, it's kind of difficult to judge because you can almost look at. Um, you know, your 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 Pete Carroll, you can kind of look at some of those guys like that. But I'm I'm going I'm to kind of play it on a, a kind of a, a devil's advocate uh, um, in response to, to uh, Pure, to what he um, had to say. Um, I almost look at it as um, I want to give him a chance, kind of a more optimistic because I want to take it as he's learned his lessons from, um, you know, what happened there in Denver. You know, it's, it's been some time. But then I also look at it at at the kind of the offensive um, uh, personnel that he had there. I mean, they didn't have a great quarterback at at all. Uh, let's put in my mind who the quarterback was um, at the time when he was there, but he didn't have uh, a quarterback that could be you know, anywhere on, on the level of an Andrew Luck. Um, plus, back then, you know, you have to look at almost style of play, look at the division that he was in. And then you mentioned um, St. Louis. Um, I don't recall him being the uh, offensive coordinator there, but um, I don't want to put too, I, don't, I don't want to put a record on the head of an offensive coordinator because I don't I don't think that's fair of him when you have a head coach, you have a defensive coordinator, you have a whole team of coaches who are responsible for making sure the team is ready to to be prepared out there on the field and play. So um, you know I'll, I'll kind of look at maybe um, the style of offense, you know, as far as for, for what he ran, but. Um, it could be fluid. It could change from team to team. You know, you can take him off from New England. You can bring him into the Colts. You know, maybe that style of play will work here. Maybe it won't. Maybe he'll change some things up. So I, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic. Now, what does concern me, though, is um, the proposed defensive coordinator, the guy from uh, Everflus, I believe that's his name, from the Cowboys. I believe if you're going to be an offensive coordinator turned head coach, um, I think you're going to have to make sure that the personnel you put around you are A1 rock solid. You have to have someone that's a proven defensive coordinator. Um, of course, he's going to call the plays. But still, you want somebody that's, uh, you know, a, a proven great quarterback coach to come in there. All the personnel around you are going to have to be solid. If not, then, I mean, you're just going to have a guy out there calling good plays, but the rest of the personnel, the rest of the team is going to be able to execute. So that's the main thing that concerns me is uh, some of the assistance that he's going to put around him. So, so Mike, Mike, the question, the question is, um, should teams go after new coaches or or, or like, because right, you know, because you know, like, threads, like, right? yeah, because Pierre and I, we've been having this discussion for weeks, and I'm more to like, let's give him a chance. You know, the guy, he's maybe mature, and I respect my brother's uh, point of view. So we, I'm just trying to get other views of like, you know, I know you're a Browns fan. And this can go to any team because I think we're all Pacer fans, and Nate McMillan's obviously a retread because he's been fired. So, what is your view? Like, you know, are you are you one of those people who's like, hey, if he's been fired, I don't really want him. I don't want to retread. I'd rather have a a new guy. Or what's your what's your opinion? Well, I think 
I mean, honestly, all them coaches in the NFL, whether professional sports or or retreads at some point. So that's just that's just what it is. But if if we're referring to um, the Colts, I mean, I've, I'm really not a fan of McDaniel's. Um, I think my brother made some good points about you know what success has he had outside of the New England Belichick system. I think that's a fair a fair point because a lot honestly outside of Garoppolo, you know what quarterback has had real success. I mean Matt Carroll did go to the Pro Bowl that one year, but. Um, outside of that, what players have left New England and, and really been successful outside of that New England Belichick system? So I think the coaching is is the same way. So we'll you know to to be to be determined, right? But I think if if you want to really satisfy luck, grow luck, then maybe you need to get a coach that's offensive minded. Um, Pagano was more defensive minded, so maybe you maybe you try that. I don't know. Um, me personally, I probably would have went in another direction. I think there were some other guys that they probably could have went for, but um, you know that's just that's that's the the route they chose to go. So we'll 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 see. All right, man. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put you on the hot seat, Demetrius. So you you're a Cleveland Browns fan. So would would you would have kept Hugh Jackson after the uh, after the y'all got a new GM? Absolutely. Okay, so why would you keep Hugh? I'm, I'm I'm curious. So why would you keep Hugh? You look at it. You look you, you look at this. Okay, you had a front office that was analytics focused, numbers focused, that really didn't have uh uh a bit of football touch. Okay. Now I'm I'm all about numbers, I'm all about analytics, I'm all about using data to influence your decision making. But you still gotta have that tangible feel in place to make to make some decisions. And I think that, you know, for the last couple of years, we had a front office that didn't really have a sense of reality about football players. And we had a team, you know, record and lie. I'm getting a lot of feedback. We, yeah, we had a team that was one and whatever, and that's just what we were. And – Let's just call a spade a spade. We didn't have no good football. We didn't have good players. You know, you had a a 20-year-old young boy playing in a grown man's league, and, you know, he wasn't ready. And I think think Hugh was dealt some cards that uh, really wasn't fair to him. Now, did he have – some 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 situations where his play calling was somewhat questionable, yeah. But when you look at what he was given, you know, he was given uh, some hoopties and was expected to go out there and ride like a horse. And I don't think that was really fair to him. Now, play devil's advocate, if he don't produce this year, then – my friend, you can either go out the front door or you can go out the back door. So I think you got a, I think we got a new GM who's ready, and we're gonna shock some people this year. Y'all heard it first on this All on right. this grown man podcast. Y'all heard it first. All We're right. shocking hey, people next year. I say that because uh, you know the Colts were in a similar situation uh, when they hired uh, the GM last year, and they kept. And they kept Pagano, and then you get this. It was kind of like dead man coach. We all knew that he was going to fire him at the end of the year, so I was more asking for that. I know he was a good offensive mind. He caught a raw deal in Oakland and Cincinnati. He had Andy Dalton playing like a Pro Bowler, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I definitely, I'm curious to see how that's going to roll. Hey, Pierre, you I mean, got some Mike, feedback, look at it. My Mike, look at it. Look, look at it. Look at it. Look at this. We we passed on Carson. Pro Bowl quarterback, right? 
We yeah. pass on Derek Carr, Pro Bowl quarterback. We pass on J- Jared Goff. Okay, had a stellar second year. We 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 passed on. Uh, I can't say we passed on 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 Dak because everybody passed on him. Uh, we we screwed up the the McCarron trade. Okay, we lost Garoppolo for a second rounder. Okay, we lost. Five, that's five quarterbacks we lost. Five. Did you, did you count Deshaun Watson too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Six. So if if Hugh and I'm getting I'm getting a little passionate about this. Go ahead, man. That's what, we, that's what we want, if Hugh, if Hugh is the quarterback guru, right? But you give him somebody like Deshaun Kaiser, who I think I think I think has a chance, but he's twenty. He's twenty. He wasn't ready. He was he immature had, in Notre Dame. Yeah, if if we would have if we would have kept and this I like it. If we would have kept Robert Griffin, I think we would have been better off this year than Deshaun Kyle. Robert Griffin, I'm sorry. I mean, I, you know, he was Mr. Glass, so you never know if he was going to be able to play or not. But the game that we won last year. Was with Robert Griffin. The game the, he played the very next week against the Steelers. We almost beat the Steelers. When he played his first game with Cleveland, we had a chance. So you should. I think we should have. If, if we should have kept Robert Griffin and and and, and kept the the uh, McCown who went to the Jets and then brought in a rookie and let him set the bench and watch. We wouldn't have been one of sixteen. We probably would have been four and twelve. But that was better than zero sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I watched the game against the Steelers. And what's my man from Baylor? He dropped the ball. Is that Corey Coleman? That is his name. No. When Kaiser, Kaiser Kaiser ran, he got out the pocket, man. But y'all ruined Kaiser. He's he's done. He's he's done. He's he's done deal. He's he's ruined. But uh, yeah, man. No, so I, really I, I don't know about man, that. Man. I think I think he, he, I think we're gonna draft a quarterback. We're going we're gonna bring in the veteran and we're gonna keep Kaiser and we're gonna get rid of um the boy we brought in from USC and Kaiser's just gonna to have to compete. Now Corey Coleman, brother, if you ain't if you ain't coming out the gate crushing it next season, you're gonna to have to get them papers, man. You know, if Ky if, if Coleman catches that, we win that game. Yeah, it was right in his hands. I mean it I mean went right through his hands. Yeah, it was butter. It was, it was it was a stick of butter. He couldn't catch it. Yeah, man. So uh, yeah. So all right. So let me ask, I'm gonna put you on the hot seat, man, and then we can we can push on to something else. So the Browns, they got the number, and we're gonna do we're gonna do an in depth NBA NFL draft. So we're not gonna give too much of the baby up. So the Browns have what one and five this year, or one and five, or one and four. One one and four. One and four. All right. So who who do you think the Browns are gonna take? Um, Mike, we might have to, we might have to, we might have to wait. This ain't Las Vegas, so all right. I, 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 you know, I I might have. That's that's. I'm gambling right now, but since you put me on the hot seat, we're gonna we're gonna go into more full depth when at a later time. I'm just putting you on the hot seat. Here we go. Go ahead. Here we go. Here we go. So I think, I think you put me on the hot seat. So I think. I think we're going. We're going to grab. Man, this is what I think. Y'all heard it here first, man. I know I'm a conspiracy theorist. Let hear me out. I think Kirk Cousins is going to Jacksonville. I think the Browns grab Blake Bortles. We draft the offensive lineman number one. We grab Saquon Barkley. Number four, and we get it, and we get some, we get some defensive help in the secondary, and we're going eight and eight. All right, y'all, y'all heard it here first. Hey, so I'm gonna I hit throw the dog. this. I the dog, man. Hey, man, y'all, huh? y'all got to bring, y'all got to bring back Michael Dean Perry if I go eight and eight, man. Yeah, I, I hear the dog, fam, <laughs> <man>. fucking <laughs> Hey, man. 
Hey, I'm gonna right, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put I'm gonna put uh I'm gonna put Pierre and I'm gonna put Ray on the, on the spot because they both we both they both Colts fans. Who y'all taking at number three? And we know, granted, we're gonna really get in depth with this at a at a later show when the draft has actually come close come closer. We're gonna really mm-hmm. dig into this, but I'm putting y'all brothers on the spot. Who the Colts? Who should the Colts take at number three? Um, I'm gonna have to say they're gonna have to even though I think uh, Saquon Barkley is gonna be that you know going to be an excellent running back. I think he's going to be either at a Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Elliott level or maybe even better. I just think this draft is just so deep with running backs. I don't think you can really miss on waiting to get a running back in the second round. So I'm going to say I think they should go Bradley Chubb with that number three, get that elite um, defensive end. I think they're going to switch to a 4-3. If, if the rumors are true, so they're going to, that they're going to go after uh, Ezekiel uh, Anza, um, I think that'd be great. I think you could put him on one side, put Bradley Chubb on the other side, get back to that, you know, Colts, you know, get after the quarterback defense that we used to seeing back in the uh, early 2000s. Um, I think in the second round, I think they could actually go. I don't want to get too too far in, in depth. Yeah, we ain't gonna go. We ain't gonna jump into it. Round. We want to get the people a little bit something at a later time, man. I'm just talking about the, at the okay. three pick, man. Because we're gonna have uh, that three. full draft special. So at three, so you say Chubb, right? I say Chubb, yeah. I think this running back right, class is just too deep. Pierre, what you say? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I pretty much second that, my, my guy Ray. I, I don't really think you know there's no need to reach out there for Barkley. You know, with 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 a, a defensive player, I think who's pretty much proved himself on an elite level on the college ranks, uh, which is a hole, one of the coach's many holes that need to be filled. Uh, or I would think if they have a possibility of trading back, getting some extra picks, um, you know, I'm very open to something to that nature as well because if just say they could jump down to maybe four, uh, well, just say six or seven or eight and grab like another fourth or fifth rounder down the, down the, on the long term, I would definitely jump on that. Uh, you know, and that that would have to go along with it. if there is any other pursuers for Chubb. I'm not for sure. It seems like a lot of the top end uh, teams are looking for offensive players. Uh, for my knowledge, is correct there. But uh, I would definitely go Chubb on that pick for the Colts. All right, man. So uh, I am going to sit back and hold off on my pick. I probably would go Chubb myself too. But uh, I just think that I think I was honestly I would try to trade down because the Colts have a lot of holes. And do kind of what Cleveland was doing, but you know, actually pick better players because Cleveland was getting all them draft picks, but they was kind of they was kind of missing on them guys. But uh, you know, we'll we'll definitely see, man. So before we uh, finish up our football segment, so we can get to this NBA, and I'll let you brothers go. So do we have a full consensus that y'all think that the uh, Patriots is going to beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl? Anybody going to jump out on the ledge? No, uh, unfortunately, I'm going uh, to jump out there. Because I, I, okay. I forgot about a valuable, very valuable point, and I just like being the eyeball of the situation. You know, the Eagles have picked – they got they got the LeGarrette Blunt on their roster. So mm-hmm. I'm going to roll with the Eagles just for the sake of LeGarrette Blunt. I think he's going to let them – boy, you know, he was with New England for so long. I think that's a point that, that we missed in all of that. I think he's going to kind of break down that what Belichick likes to do. I'm gonna go out on a limb and pick Eagles. All right. So, so Demetrius and Ray, y'all roll the Pats. Unfortunately, yep. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's the Patriots. They've been there before. I mean, you see what they did last year. I, I just don't see Philadelphia. Um, you know, unless some there's some kind of miracle, you know, <laughs> going on. Um, I, I just don't see Philadelphia being able to do it. All right. Philly. All right. What'd you say now? Philly. Oh, all right. So we got two. There you go. There you all go. right. So we. All right. So we got. All right. So so we got Demetrius and we got Pierre rolling with Philly. I I, I hate the Patriots, but I'm gonna probably I'm gonna roll with the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, I just think that I don't want them. To, I'm not rooting for them. I want to be wrong, but I just yeah. I just think they're just gonna over yeah. overwhelm them, man. You know, they be throwing them little five yard passes, and next thing you know, them little Ricky Strudel like receivers, man. They start getting them little eight yard passes on third and six, man. They just wear your defense mm-hmm. down. But man, I'm gonna uh, go I mean, ahead what? and hop. To, go ahead, go ahead, Ray. My bet. No, I was gonna say what I think will happen. What I want to happen are two different things. You know, I would love for the Eagles to you know to walk out of there. 
I mean, it, it makes a, a great storyline. I think the uh, I think the Eagles are the only team in the NFC East that that haven't won a Super Bowl. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, they're, they're, so, they're the only one. They're the only one who haven't you know stepped in. So that'd be in my storyline, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, man. So, hey, man, I'm gonna jump to the NBA because you know the NBA has been it's it's like a twenty it's like a year round soap opera, man. It's been a crazy week this week. Boogie got Boogie's out for the year. John Wall's out for six weeks. Blake Griffin got traded, man. So uh, let's go jump with this Blake Griffin trade because I wasn't expecting that at all. So what do you think this Blake Griffin trade is going to do for the Clippers? And then conversely, what do you think it's going to do for the uh, Pistons? I don't see it doing a whole lot for the Pistons. I, I, don't, I just don't see Blake coming out there motivated every night to, to lace them up for the Pistons. And plus, I mean, he's he's not really reliable. I mean, he'll be out there for a couple games and, you know, he'll be out, you know, with some little nagging injury or something like that. And I don't know how many years he has left on his contract. I don't see him sticking with the Pistons. So I don't know if the Pistons just, you know, are going to get him and try to use him as leverage to trade him to, to get someone else. Um, the, the Clippers, I really don't know what direction they're headed in. I mean, DeAndre Jordan, I, I really don't see him sticking around there too much longer. But, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. But I don't think it works for either either one of the two teams. Hey, man, so I'm going to jump in here. And I'm and I'm gonna pose a question afterwards. If you if you were the Pistons, you got a brand new arena. You know you're not gonna you're not gonna get any type of big free agents to go to Detroit. Do you take a chance on star power to get to bring Blake Griffin in? I mean, I probably would because you got that brand new arena. And you got you got to put people in butts in the seats. I mean, they just moved in there this year, so I probably would have did it. I think. Detroit, I mean they, I mean they've kind of Van Gundy's gonna be on the hot seat because they have this, they have a team that's not really kind of mismatched with having Drummond and, and Blake and Reggie Jackson and uh, I don't even know their wing players. I know they got Luke Kennard and uh, oh, I don't really know who else, but I'm curious to see, man, how the how they're gonna work together. But you, so do you think so? Now people are trying to say that the Clippers are trying to set themselves up to try to go after LeBron and Paul George in the off season. I don't see it. I don't see LeBron going to the Clippers. They don't have enough talent. They still can't beat Golden State. Instead of getting to losing to them in the finals, he would probably lose to them in the first or second round. Uh, which, yeah, what about I mean, yeah, pretty much. I agree. You know, I. I was in, I was actually thinking Detroit was in a rebuilding process. So when they made that trade, they kind of traded off the the Harris guy, which is real had a, having a pretty good year by the way this year. Um, for Blake Griffin, I don't really see them, you know, you know, moving up too much territory in the East with, with that. Just considering, I mean, he's he's not really going to going to take over the team and lead the team. Um, in a way where they can outdo anything from um, Milwaukee or Boston or Cleveland. Cleveland, um, you know, I think they had a, a nice little young young nucleus at that time, but that that move kind of threw me off. And, uh, the Clippers, they are they're obviously rebuilding. Um, they're trying to clear out Lou Williams, uh, also Jordan had the same notion. So. Um, if some, somebody's got a, a egg in the basket for LeBron James, they're definitely trying to find out. All right, man. And so let me go ahead, Ray. No, I was saying. Plus, I'm kind of you know looking at the the, the contract details for for Blake. He signed a five year deal with the Clippers last July, so that fifth year is a player option. So he's you know he, he's on the hook. Um, well, the Pistons are on the hook right now for him. And he got he has a pretty lucrative contract, so I I just want to keep him keeping him around too much longer. A Blake Griffin keeping a Blake Griffin for four possibly five years. I mean maybe you can lure in some you know some guys. I don't see any elite guys. You're not gonna have LeBron, you know, scratching you know to 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 go to the Pistons. I mean, you know, this isn't the Pistons team of of old, but um, I just don't I just don't see it working out for him. I mean, Blake, you know, injury prone. So, you know, who knows how many games he will be able to play the rest of the year or even in the coming years. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think I think it was to the point that they were desperate. 
And it was just like, hey, we got to get people in this arena because they were uh, – I was watching something today. They were talking about Blake's jersey sold out quick. And, you know, it's also about the bread. And this is what – Blake is 28, but he still will give me like 20 and 10. And it, the Pistons, you just not, aren't going to have that opportunity to get a guy like that. I mean, Blake, since he stepped out and hit the threes and stuff now, he's not a great shooter, but he's enough to make you respect him. I don't think they're really – I think this going to hurt the Pistons more – in those later years of the contract, what is Blake, 28? So I think, you know, by year three and four, that's when he's really going to hurt because, you know, the knee, the injuries have backed up and, and everything else like that. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see, man. So do you think this is going to have an impact on the Central Division? Um, I think it possibly could. I mean, just, you know, you have to see, you know, where Blake – um, health and his mind is that, you know, when he actually gets in there and starts playing, how they gel, um, you know, they, they did it before the, you know, before the trade deadline. So, you know, we have, you know, a little bit of a few more games left to all-star break. And then after all-star break for them to do something, I'm not sure where the Pistons are, are seated at right now as far as for the, uh, you know, playoff position. I'm assuming they, you know, they're probably somewhere around that, you know, eight, nine, ten spot. Um, I don't. I just don't think it's going to do anything for them in the long run. I don't see Blake having them make some kind of you know playoff run or anything like that. In the Central Division, I mean, you got the you know the Pacers, you got the Bucks. I think right now those two are fighting for that second spot. Of course, Cleveland is is you know a little a couple games ahead of them in that number one. I think Detroit might be. Uh, well, Detroit would have to be behind. Uh, the, yeah, the, the Detroit Pacers currently and the is. The Detroit is currently ninth. They're twenty three and twenty six. The Pacers are 28-23, and the Bucks are 27-22. and So, yeah, they're definitely – I think they've lost like – I think they lost like eight in a row until they beat Cleveland the other night. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a large feat for them to try to you know, make it in there in the eighth spot. There's so many teams that are, you know, fighting to, to, to get that eighth spot. All right, man. Before I, I push on, man, I, we definitely got to send an RIP to your boy Rasul Butler, man. I was in a meeting, then I came yeah. out today, and I seen brothers that, that text me that said that Sue had passed away, man. So definitely shout out to Sue Butler, former Pacer player, bro. gave us a little, a little veteran presence, man. But uh, hey, man. So let me, I'm gonna switch on to something else, man. So Boogie Cousins, he, you know, he uh, blew his Achilles out the other day. If you New Orleans and Boogie's hurt and Anthony Davis, you still have them for a few more years. You're, you're not going to really get any better, even with them two together. Do you explore trading Anthony Davis in the off season to try to to try to you know get you some young some young pieces in? Because New Orleans is like capped out between uh, what's the point guard and uh, you know Boogie and AD. Drew Holiday, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Drew Holiday. So do you? You, do you look to trade? Do you look to trade AD to try to rebuild? If it was no. me, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I I, I agree I, because I think you know you can probably get some some role players in in place. You know, I've just just me. I've never been a big fan of uh, a lot of successful small ball, even going back. To Phoenix style, you know, run, run, run. Uh, I think I still think a traditional big and and, uh, and a four man with talent can can win games in this league. You know, there's definitely a, a, a low shortage of centers in this league today, especially with the talent of of Boogie. And uh, if he can keep his head, you know, cleared up, you know, don't be such a hot head ready to. So uh, I look like I think he he was ready to get at a few people this year, you know, just by uh, you know attitude and and things like that. But I don't really think um, you know New Orleans is kind of the, one of those markets where I don't think they're going to get a lot of free agent help. But if they can rebuild in a draft, I don't think they're too far away. Uh, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I don't know, man, because I, I think New Orleans, New Orleans is good enough not to get, like, they're good enough to maybe make the playoffs. And I'm just saying this, would, you know, but they're not, like, good enough for to uh, to be able to sit back, sad enough, I should say, to be able to get an elite player, you know, in the top five or anything like that. And then you wonder if AD is going to start putting the pressure on them, like, hey, I, I'm, I haven't, I have, what has he been to the playoffs once since he's been there? 
is he going to put the pressure on him and say, hey, I don't want to be here anymore? So I don't know. That's why that's why I asked that because, you know, people have been talking about it, read some articles about it uh, the last couple of days, man. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the offseason because a team like Boston can say, all right, you could take one of our – we got a plethora of young players and we got draft picks. So you could take – we can put a combination together to go after and get AD, and they still not strip their roster all the way down. So I'm sure Danny Ainge is going to be aggressive in all season to just check the temperature on uh on New Orleans and see if they can get uh, AD. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, so, I mean uh, that would be a good move with uh, with the Boston Celtics. You know, they I mean they have the the, the pieces and uh, to try to put a package together to make a run for AD. So you know, if I was like you said, if I was Ainge, you know, I would you know kick the tires on it and see you know see what you can possibly do. All right, man. So, all right. So, John Wall is out for for the next six weeks, man. And the Wizards have been kind of they've kind of underwhelmed this year, man. They can they play good against the good teams, but they can't beat the teams under five hundred. So, you know, what do you so when Wall comes back in you know two months, you expect the Wizards to you know be in the top five, top five? Or you think Bradley Beal is going to take his game to the next level, or you think they're going to slip slip to the uh, to the bottom of the Eastern Conference and fighting for a playoff berth? I think personally, I think they'll be in the middle of the pack. Um, with with, I I have been seeing the emergence of Bradley Bill. He's been playing awesome this year. He seems like he's well worthy of that All Star um, nod. I don't really, to me, I don't. I think they're going to probably need some more scoring out of uh, your, your boy Otto, and uh, s- some more scoring to to be really a serious uh, contender in the East. I don't really think. Um, you know, Wall and, and Bradley Bill can do it all by themselves. Um, in years past, uh, they've gotten good play out of, out of uh, Gartat, but overall, um, I don't. I wouldn't see them that much better than a team like the Pacers, for example. I don't think they could actually beat the Pacers in a series to to kind of get over that middle of the threshold of the East. Uh, I don't definitely think I don't think they can beat Milwaukee or Cleveland um, either. All right. What about you, Ray? Um, you know, I kind of second um, second what Pure said. Looking at um, you know, looking at their roster, like it's their you know where where they're going to get scoring from. Of course, Bradley Beal, um, you know, is having a is having a really good season, but you know that's what's um, you know John Wall on the floor with them. So you take John Wall away. For a period of time, where Bradley Beal is getting a lot of attention, who's going to be that other guy that's going to step in and, and provide that that scoring punch? Like you said, Otto, you know, Otto um, is doing okay, but you know, I think he's averaging about 14 points a game. But you know, he's got to step it up. Um, Jody Meeks is, is really isn't you know providing much for them um, at all. Um, Kelly Oubre, and I gotta, you know, apologize to my boy Mike Jacks. I know this is his, his, his squad, but I, I've never been a fan of Kelly Oubre, even when he was at Kansas. I, I don't think he's a good player. If I was Washington, you know, I would be looking at trying to move him, uh, you know, to try to get some more help in there. I'm not really impressed with their big men. Uh, Gortat is not having a great year. You know, the former Pacer um, Heaney, you know, he's pretty much a ghost out there on the floor. Um, so without Wall, you know, really go see what this team is made of. Of course, you know, Bradley Beal, you know, he's a good scorer, but, you know, you take that number one guy, your point guard, your floor general off the off the floor, you know, what's this Wizards team going to do? And, and like I said, I think they're going to continue to slide. All right. Hey, man, so uh, we're going to come back to the last question of the night because I know we've all had long days and everything. So James Harden has, six, has 60 points last night and a triple-double. What is the greatest single NBA? What is the greatest? Let me see how I can say. What is the greatest NBA performance by a single player that you, that you guys have ever witnessed? Because I, I've never, you know, obviously no one's ever had sixty in a triple double. So give me you guys, just, you know, top picks, and then we can close on out. Uh, that's, that's a tough one there. I, I almost have to go to, you know, this is. You know, going, you know, going pretty much way back, but I think it was um, 
uh, was Reggie when they played the Knicks. I think it was back in like '94 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, uh, twenty-five. Which game it was. That was game. That was yeah, game five. Man. He lost game six. He went off. He I think he I forgot how many three pointers he hit, but he was man. He was on fire. I think he scored almost like forty points. He uh, Thirty-nine. You know, yeah, just being a Pacer fan, you know, of course, you know that, you know, that's what I witnessed. You know, of course, you know, most people will flock towards MJ and a lot of the you know, great things that he did. But I just remember in that game, man. You know, Reggie was he, he was he was lights out. All right, man. Pure, what about you? Yeah, you know, I feel sad about saying this, but it would have to be MJ the the finals game against Trailblazers. I mean. You know, just felt like he was throwing up anything. He could hit whatever, you know, and I could see, I could still see the emotion and back to the fans shaking his head, shrugging his shoulders. And uh, he just couldn't, you know, he was clearly in the zone. And those teams, I, I tell you, kind of blocked the Pacers from winning championships. I, I always let people know that, you know, because we had a lot of good teams in the mid-90s. I don't know if you guys remember that, but the uh, those teams where the Bulls kind of edged everybody and took everybody out, a lot of it had to do with MJ and uh, his abilities to just close out games. Yeah, man. Uh, great for me. I mean, I know people are going to say Kobe's 81-point game, but to me, I think the game, I think he, against Dallas, he, what he had, did he have like 60 in three quarters? Uh, I think that was, I mean, to me, that was more impressive than the 81-point game. But, uh, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen Jordan and all that type of stuff and having great games. And but individual, I just think of that because, like, he was so efficient. So, uh, definitely, man, some great some great players, man. I just kind of wanted to get your views on that because I wouldn't expect when I seen the highlight to see the Beard have 60 in a triple-double, man. So, uh, yeah. well, man, this is going to be like the end. Uh, go ahead. Now, I said he's a beast. He's a true talent, man. To see a guy with that type of size handle the ball the way he does, man, he's a he's a he's a clear floor general. Yeah, yeah, man. He just you know, he got all the nuances: the step, he's a lefty, the step backs, the hesitation. You know, he can shoot from deep. You know, he gets to the line. So, and he's you know this is it's crazy. But, uh, hey, fellas, this has been like, you know, I'm going to give y'all, I mean, I'm going to kind of close it on out and then get y'all last thoughts, man. But uh, appreciate y'all for joining us, everybody. This is the first edition of the Group Chat Sports Podcast. So we're going to do this probably, you know, once or twice a month, get the fellas together, talk about what's going on in sports, take a deep review into sports. So, uh, so Ray and Pierre, I'm going to give you brothers, uh, you know, give y'all last takes or whatever, man. We're going to get out of here. So uh, whoever wants to go first. Okay. Hey, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, guys. It was uh, definitely enlightened to get a lot of different perspectives on sports. Um, it's, it's very uh, interesting to, to learn different ways how people gauge talent and from a sporting point of view. And I think it's very knowledgeable for people to, to get uh, the, a lot of these facts and thoughts and opinions about sports. I mean, a lot of what people do today revolves around sports. So, like it or not, it's here. All right, man. So, Ray, you going to close us on out, man? Oh, yeah. This is, um, you know, was a, was, was a fun kickoff show. Look forward to uh, plenty more um, covering you know, different aspects of uh, sports. You know, we can get into some boxing sometimes or, you know, whatever you know, whatever else is going on. Um I just like how, um, you know, we have a lot of us on here that, you know, we're kind of spread out. You know, so yeah, some of us here in Indy, you know, we've got Nashville, we got Charlotte. So I think that kind of also gives kind of a fresh perspective about, um, you know, what other cities think about what's going on with other teams and, you know, not just their team uh, there in their local area. So just, you know, look forward to, you know, many more great shows, having some fun with the fellas and, you know, giving our own takes um, on what's going on in the sports world. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, man. So I appreciate everybody, man. Y'all make sure y'all y'all share the show, how your people, you know, tune in. Because this is y'all show, man. This 
Bowtie Fresh and I, we're just executive and producing this thing, man. But this is y'all show, so we're looking forward to this. I mean, this is just the first of many. So, you know, y'all, you know, we're going to sit back. We'll convene again. And, uh, you know, we got the call-in aspect. So, you know, hopefully we might be able to get some other little special guests and everything, man. So I appreciate you, brothers, man. I'm going to get out here and edit this show, and I'm going to holler at y'all. All right, take it easy. Peace out, fellas. All right, later. Later. Stop into Lowe's to fit a few more projects and a lot more savings into summer. Get your deck looking its best with the new Valspar Exterior Stain. It covers in one coat, is rain-ready in four hours, provides all-weather defense from the elements, and it's only at Lowe's. Then, get ready to kick off the fall grilling season with savings of up to 20% on select grills. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Grill offer valid through 829 while supplies last. See store for details. It's the two megastars summer mashup. The awesome iPhone on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for $0 so you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port in a number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions.